Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom. This is the Chiefs Take Podcast, and once again, we are very happy. Cody, why are we very happy? Oh, another Wednesday, another Chiefs victory. And not just any Wednesday, a big divisional win against the Denver Donkeys this week. Um, The Chiefs made it look effortless in all three phases of football. Yep, we beat up on on a division rival. You're pretty fired up all weekend well, about this game well, so I was pretty happy I was kind of ready to go about this one <laughs> I saw you were what brats early you were up smoking something right early? no I was so I woke up early that morning and I had all my chicken laid out and I let it marinate for a few hours in this um this kind of a little sauce I have and then I put some dry I put some rub on it I fired up the old terrible smoker and uh, I put some mesquite wood over the smoker and I let it sit out there for about three hours got it all in it was all nice I made a couple baked potatoes to go with it it was really good meal we had might have drank about 12 boulevards also that day but it was a bad (laughs) day to be a Denver Bronco overall how's the how's being in quarantine and watching the games oh man well it's uh it's rough. It gives me an opportunity to really sit down and watch the game. I actually just got done watching the game for the second time. But I know a lot of people that did what you did. For some reason, it's probably just that it's Bronco week. We can't I stand can... those fuckers. So I know we a lot of people that were up early. Enough. Yep, getting ready to smoke their meats or whatever they do. But yeah, yeah, we kind of got after them. Well, we did get after them, and let's start when the defensive side of the ball because this was one of the areas that I thought was the Chiefs' biggest thing was the Chiefs took the ball away from Denver, what, three times? Four times? Four times. We had an interception from Dan Sorensen to the house, an interception from Tyron Matthew. Um, They tried a ridiculous flea flicker play, and Melvin Gordon threw it a mile over Drew Locke's head, which I don't know how you do. The dude's (laughs) like seven – the dude's like 6'12", or something like that. And then Tershawn Wharton, just all-out effort to club the ball loose. We won the turnover battle, but really it was just a domination from start to finish. It was. Anytime we're talking about the Chiefs defense, I, I think it's time to start bringing up Daniel Sorensen. We, you know, we've talked about him a couple times on this show that he's just that guy that you need on your team, and me and you have talked about it, that good teams need a guy like Dan who's always in the right spot at the right time. But, Caleb, this year this, – Probably the last 16 games that he's played, he's been easily one of the best Chiefs players on defense. Oh, without question. He's been a leader. He's been a guy that you know he's going to be in the right place at the right time. 
Speaking of right place, right time, the Chiefs have been heating up Drew Locke all day, and the Broncos were in that five-man pro. They had the quick out to the tight end, and the Anthony Hitchens comes through. He's the free man. They rush six. Locke has to get rid of the ball, and the Chiefs pretty much knew that uh, – what's their tight end's name? I just forgot it off the top of my head. Noah Fant. Noah Fant, yeah. Noah Fant cuts that out, and the Chiefs had that scouted out. Sorensen, he watches film with Tyron Matthew. They're both far too smart. They knew it was coming, and he picks it up. He jumps the route, and he's in the end zone. That was when I knew this game was going to get out of hand quickly, and I knew that the Broncos were severely outmatched. Yeah, that was a really heads-up play by Dan. Just to know that, you know, we're sending more than the Bron- than Denver can block, so the ball's going to come out quick. And he sat on it really well. He didn't move his feet. He didn't give up any ground. As a, as a safety playing off on a tight end like that, that's exactly what you're taught. He executed it perfectly. I thought it was a good display of his IQ and headiness, understanding the situation and, and what defense they were in. Yeah, and then the other interception they had, it was just Tyron Matthew playing his technique, doing the little things that worked out well. Um, it looks like it was a little too snowy for Denver in Denver. They let that ball slip, but the Honey Badger got his second interception of the season also. Yeah, and that was good to see. I actually just got done watching that play. and it, To me, it looked like just a simple basic cover one look. Tyran is just playing outside leverage, knowing that he's got help inside. There's actually supposed to be a rat player there, and on the play it looked like uh, Passanio was supposed to be there, but maybe he had a small brain fart or – wasn't tuned in 100% to the scheme. So he was a little late. There actually should have been someone standing there. But if they don't want to catch the ball, Honey Badger will take it. He'll he'll take that every time. And he actually had another fumble recovery also. But that was due to a play where Drew Locke had to, number one, check it down because Chris Jones completely blew the play up from the start. But then, once again, the, we keep bringing up the same guys that are just good for your defense and – Undrafted rookie, Division II free agent, Tereshawn Ward runs 25 yards down the field. Probably a 285-pound-plus guy chugged, comes up behind Melvin Gordon and punches the ball out. He then gets it back, isn't quite able to hang on to it, but it pops out of the pile, and the Honey Badger is there once again. Wharton, Cody Wharton is buying extra years to his career with the effort he's showing. Not only that, He's also playing really good run defense in the inside for this team. Yeah, it's important for anybody listening to understand, you know, Division Two, not even a big Division Two, a really small division school, Missouri, Missouri S&T. S&T out of the GLVC. <laughs> Your favorite conference. My favorite college conference of all time. But, yeah, if you're wondering how a guy like that gets on the field, just watch his tape. He's 100% every play, every second. And, it, and it's showing up. So that was big of him to punch the ball out. Iron Matthew, just right spot, right time. What did you take away from uh, Chris Jones's performance? He finally got a sack after we talked about last week against Buffalo. He had been just completely getting pressure all day, just wasn't quite get to get back there. Last week we talked about those young interior linemen for the Bronco might struggle. They were lining him up in the three-tech a lot, and I think they were using the return. They were returning him back to the play side A-gap, and that was really giving the Broncos some trouble inside. Yeah. Now, there is this guy over in California named Aaron Donald. I'm sure you've heard of him. That but I have. Right now, Chris Jones, <laughs> right now, Chris Jones is probably playing the highest level of football at the D-line position. He just looks awesome. 
We talked about last week him having one of his best games as a Chief without having a sack. Um, this week he did have a sack, so that was good to see. He's uh, he's playing at a really, really high level. Chiefs are hard to beat when you got guys like Daniel Sorensen and Tershawn Wharton yeah. know, giving that kind of effort. But when you have Chris Jones just up front dominating, and I saw he's really, really good. I saw a staff from Pro Football Focus, and they said when you take away play actions and RPOs and screens, so think just your basic standard pass concept, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones are one and two in pure pass rush situations in the league. In those situations, Aaron Donald is getting a pass rush. He's getting pressure at least 27% of the time. Chris Jones is right behind him at around 26% of the time. So on pretty much for both of those guys, they're getting – pressure once every four traditional pass plays that's outstanding last week there was a guy that Cody you were a little bit down on and he kind of came out and he still might not know what he's doing but he looks like he's getting better <laughs> and that's uh that's old Willie Gay Jr. he kind of came out and he, he kind of came out a little dialed up a little fired up for this one yeah I think the probably the first play he made the first tackle of the game it was one yard gain TF, I think it was a T it was might have been a no gainer it was right at the LOS. no gain. So I'm sure that kind of gave him some confidence. But, yeah, it was good to see. He made a couple plays and really showed why he was worthy of a second-round pick. If we can just get him dialed in. There's still plays that when you go back and watch the game that it, he looks unsure of what he's doing sometimes. But when you're that athletic, it's kind of like what you just said. You'll still find a way to make plays. And that's what he did last week. He, he had played a solid game. You know, and this was also the first time I think we – we saw him make an impact in the passing game. And, you know, being a, being a very fast individual like he is, that's what you want to see out of your pass-covering linebackers. Hadn't seen that much. This week he comes back with two pass deflections. On one of them, I think he was completely lost. I don't think he knew what was going on. <laughs> I think he just saw Drew Locke and vertical in the air and knocked it down somehow. But on the other one, I could see he was reading the play. He actually looked like he had an idea of what was going to happen. He came in there and make a play. So do you think that he's going to have a chance to keep developing to be a guy who you think is going to start every game the rest of the way I hear out? Or do you think that they're going to keep just sprinkling him in in certain situations? Well, I don't think Ben Neiman's the answer. So could he potentially start every game from here on out? Possibly. Now I don't know. I think his, his thing is just going to be week to week proving it in practice, showing Spags and that defensive staff that, he continued to do his job because the biggest thing that I've seen from the Chiefs defense probably since our playoff run last year is that it's a very do-your-job sound defense. So if everybody does their job and everything works out perfectly, it's when kind of like what you saw with Denver's first touchdown, if you start doing somebody else's job, like what Tanya did coming down mm -hmm. to take the running back, Drew Locke sneaks out. So It'll be important for Willie Gay just to continue to do his job and so that he can do that in practice and not look lost in games at times like he's unsure of where he's going. Um, I do think that Spags will continue to sprinkle him in, and especially if he keeps working with the starter roles and producing, then maybe he'll get into a situation where he'll see more snaps and continue to make more plays. But we'll see. I hope we so. Shall he's athletic, see. So. We sh no, he's an athletic freak of nature. There's been kind of a storyline I've been following this week. I don't know. We both follow Chiefs Twitter pretty closely. There's a lot of people that, for some reason, they want the Chiefs to go try to trade for Quinnen Williams from the Jets. I don't see that really happening. But if I'm Derek Naughty and Mike Pinnell and I see that 
our fan base wants us to go trade for a guy that does the same stuff we do. That's kind of lighting a fire under me a little bit. Yeah, I don't I don't see a reason for us to do that between Pinnell and Naughty. Chris Jones. We've got plenty of run stoppers. Right Colin Saunders Clark. is back. He didn't look bad when he was in. Yeah, no, Colin Saunders looked good on a couple of plays last, you know, last Sunday. So I don't I don't see a reason to do any of that. I I'm not a fan. I'm there also one- not a big fan of Quentin Williams. You know, drafted as high as he was. He really hasn't shown much production, so I like the, who we have on the defensive line. That's the thing people keep saying. What is the potential that Quinnen Williams could be? They said, oh, he can. he's a great run stuffer. He'll always be an average pass rusher. I'm like, guys, Derek Nottie's playing at just a high level as any other nose tackle in the NFL, any other yeah. one technique in the NFL at this point. If you guys don't see that, go back and take a look at what we're both seeing here every week. He played another good one. Defensive line played good. I thought the defensive end play was very average. Um, Frank Clark, he didn't make much of an impact in the pass rush game. He was still doing his job, stuffing the runs, setting the edge. Tano looked lost. Damone Harris looked lost. I think they are sorely missing Alex Okafor and Taco Charlton and Mike Dana at this current time. Do you see the lack of edge depth right now as a concern? Yeah, you know, especially since – hearing everything coming into the season that, you know, Tanya was going to step into a bigger role. Um, it's just what I said earlier. He's just got to do his job. Just like on their, on their first touchdown, he's just got to contain the quarterback, make him give it. You know, it's not his job to tackle guys. You got everybody else on the front line and linebackers responsible for that. So, yeah, you could tell our edge play was lacking. Um, Frank Clark not having a, a very impactful game obviously affects that. Now, if Frank Clark had an impactful game, we're probably not sitting here having this conversation. So. Uh, maybe, and I think that's probably why we saw on defense, maybe you didn't see it, but we got into like some three, four looks. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I'm sure that was also based on, you know, their lighter personnel. They're coming out with more speed on the field. We wanted to get more speed on the field as well, but uh, maybe that's something that Spag gets into as the season goes on. This is really also one of the first times in the season I thought Denver didn't do a bad job of running their outside zone and kind of some stretch yeah. plays against us. Mind you, that's the kind of stuff that's Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay's bread and butter. And Drew Locke was so ineffective in the passing game. That was literally all they had to go off of. I wonder if that'll be something we see teams try to attack later on. But I am hoping that Taco Alex Okafor and Taco Charlton both look good when they're in there against the run or pass. I'm looking forward to seeing them get back healthy. Same with Mike Dana. That'll be an interesting storyline to keep an eye on. But the the second phase of the game, I thought the Chiefs did a good job in was field goals. And before I get into Byron Pringle's big return, Harrison Bucker has been struggling lately, but he he played a pretty good game despite the weather conditions this week, I thought. Yeah, very, very uncharacteristic of Harrison Bucker probably the last couple of weeks. You know, after he hit those three back-to-back 58-yarders, there was no doubt in my mind he was the best kicker in football. And then I think he had two games where he continuously missed extra points, so – it was good to see him in those conditions handle the ball and kick the ball well. Um, but, Caleb, touching on on special teams, when you score on defense and you score on special teams, we were able to pretty much get Denver out of the run game. You know, exactly. once you're down three touchdowns, you, you can't run outside zone. You're just – you're not giving yourself a chance to win the football game. So, when you, when you do that and you have that kind of production from your defense and special teams, running the ball almost becomes pointless. So – I've also got a theory 
Um, turnovers and special teams are the two biggest changers of momentum in any football game. And the Chiefs oh, yeah. literally shut down any plans that the Broncos had to try to play balanced at all by taking away the ball like they did. And then Byron Pringle took one to the house. And <laughs> we've been sitting here waiting all season for Dave Tobes, good coach. People get mad at him Great a lot coach. because – People get mad at – you know why people get mad at Dave Tobe? Because special teams' mistakes are highlighted more than other mistakes. That is true. Well, I mean, when you only have 30 or so special teams plays a game, it's easy to highlight those mistakes because normally those mistakes often result in big plays. So Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's what I've always thought. I've always thought he's been a good coach. They – uh that return they had, they just got everyone. They overload. The Chiefs just swung everyone over and swarmed everyone out to the uh, to the Chiefs' right, and they got the Broncos all washed into the wall. And Pringle, all he had to do was make one cut, and he was gone. So it's definitely yeah. nice. To see. Go ahead. I think it's, I was gonna say I think as we see uh, McColl get more into the offense, they're gonna have Pringle doing more special teams because I think Pringle's a good player. They just gotta find a way to get him on the field a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I think Pringle will probably step into that role as well. Um, just looking at the eye test alone, I think Pringle looked more comfortable and more explosive back there than even Meekle did. Um, so I'll, I expect Pringle to probably step into that role and probably take it over for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, also, you, we all know Ben Neiman's not good at playing linebacker, but he did have a, a nice <laughs> – I'll bring it up. He did have a nice block on the kickoff return, so I'm going to give him that. I highlighted it in one of my film clips. Ben Neiman had the block that basically set the – that sealed off that wall. I think I also saw in there a couple of good blocks from – I think I saw Armani Watson there. He had a block, and Marcus Kemp had – was doing his Tyree Kill imitation at the end. That was a great play. <laughs> but now uh, let's get into the offense a little bit and – it was a very mellow offensive performance, I'd say. Yeah, it was very, very vanilla. Um, but we still scored 30, 43 points. And I think that special teams play, just going back to that for a quick second, is kind of just indicative to how the game goes. You know, if you look at the box score, um, we had 17 first downs of their 24. We had 51 plays of their 76. 286 yards to their 411. They killed us in time of possession. They killed us in time of possession. The only thing that we want is turnovers and then the scoreboard. So special to me, teams. that special teams play, yeah, represents that we're the better football team. It doesn't matter. You can have all the cute stats that you want to, but at the end of the day, we're going to win the game. So That and the first drive of the game, actually, I believe the first two drives of the game, Patrick Mahomes was like five for six for 90 yards or something ridiculous like that, that he just didn't get yeah. to see the ball for a while. So he could have easily thrown for over 300 if he needed to. Um, that first yeah. offensive drive of the game was some of the best football I think the Chiefs have played all Beautiful. season. It was literally the Broncos were like, all right, we're going to do what Buffalo did. We're going to leave. They said, all right, reverse to McColl, 15, throw a couple <laughs> check downs to Tyreek move the pocket with Pat a little bit. McCole Hardman makes a big grab. All right, hand it off to Clyde, hand it off to Clyde. Four broken tackles later, we're winning the football game at that point. And I was like, we're going to roll these guys. We could have rolled them by more. Nick Kaiser is to no longer be trusted. He is not trusted any longer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a Division II product at a Grand Valley State. Yeah, so. beat my ass two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, he's just got a whole lot of the ball, man. His, his second catch of the game where he had that big game where Pat's rolling out and he just sat down in, in the zone and I think he had like a 20-yard gain. That, he tucked the ball. He just needs to do that. He he's also, not going to be a Travis Kelsey or anything like that. So He also gave up a sack, which – you kind of want your backup tight end to be able to block a little bit so you can get him on the field more. And he, not that I like tight ends blocking outside linebackers. I don't, I think he completely messed up his assignment from the very start of the play also. So, cause he looked, he, he looked like he was hesitant to get out there and block the guy, gave up a sack. It was really easy for a professional football player. And then I think he messed up another running assignment with the blocking He's not to be trusted. All right, I'm not going to highlight any more of Kaiser's mess-ups because he is just a D2 guy, used to beating up on D2 guys, so we're not going to fault him too much. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Clyde and Le'Veon, the little uh, double trouble there? You know, I'm sure on Clyde's first touchdown, Eric Bieniemy drew it up just like that and said, hey, Clyde, you're going to break four tackles and you're going to score. Um, so I'm sure Clyde was expecting that, but – I thought it was good. I thought we worked Le'Veon in slowly. Um, I think there was some questions about, you know, how good is he still? You know, he really hadn't seen that production for the last couple years. But for me, that that wasn't a tell sign. That was just more of a sign of, you know, who he's playing for in the Jets. They're not much of anything, which is who we play next week. Funny. But so I thought we sprinkled him in some, and he showed that he's clearly not washed up. Clyde continued to show that he's one of the best backs in football. Um, we got a little glimpse of what I think we'll see more in the future is just putting them both in the backfield and then either motion one of them out, motion two of them out, um, putting five weapons on the field that can run and catch the ball. And you know what, you know what numbers I like to see from our two backs? I like to see 5.8 and 6.5, and that is respectively Clyde's yards per carry and Le'Veon's yards per carry in their first game in their first games playing together I have a feeling this is gonna be the start of something beautiful yep talk about the run game the uh offensive line I thought they had another good one they gave up too many we gave up two of the sacks were not on the offensive line one of them was just an empty protect I see people saying the Chiefs offensive line didn't play good one of those Le'Veon's got to either just turn around and catch it or Pat's got to get rid of it because it's a five-man pro against six it was a good play from Bradley Chubb to get his hands up the other one, Kaiser bungled it, and then Wiley got beat inside. I was really impressed again with Allegretti and Kilgore as they stepped in, and I thought, again, Eric Fisher played a good football game overall as he's got to step up and be that guy without Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah, he's got he's to step up and be the voice of that front five, but I agree. I know what player you're talking about on the Le'Veon sack. He's got to know that it's a five-man protection, so if they blitz, the ball's going to come out hot. He's just got to get his head turned around. Um, that's just – he's just got to get more familiar with the offense. You know, he's had a week of practice, so I'm sure that that's an easy fix. He'll fix that. Yeah, Kim, I agree. I, agree. I, I thought the offense played played well. I despite agree. Despite not having one of their best offensive linemen. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate that also Kaleche Osimile was hurt because I feel like they're going to miss him down the stretch on the inside. Hopefully, yep. Allegretti can keep playing at a high level and so can Kilgore. But like you say, as they start to be able to run the ball more and more effectively, teams are going to have to start packing the box more and more and more, and that's what Pat wants. He wants that box as tight as possible in there. Yeah, I think that's what him and Andy Reid both want. 
you know, they, they want to bring eight in the box. That just opens it up for me, Cole and Tyreek and Travis and Sammy Watkins when he come back down the field. So I kind of hit on it last week that I thought we would stay more run heavy this week. And that's probably true for more weeks to come just until, you know, Le'Veon gets more acquainted with the offense and then we start opening up the playbook later as it goes. But I think we stay the with Chiefs the Chiefs want to throw the ball downfield, so. I think we see that also. We didn't see much throw. Our uh, longest completions of the day for Patrick and that was the 38-yard rollout to McColl. McColl Hardman had two nice grabs for 57 yards. Other than that, no one was really caught a lot of passes. Tyreek caught six for 55. He was averaging 9.2. Kaiser had those two catches on which one he fumbled and which one he was blocking, and he kind of just stood there and let Patrick just throw him open. Yep. And Travis Kelsey, his most quiet game, we didn't even really – I they gave, basically gave Kelsey the day off. They didn't have too much drawn up for him. Yeah, our, our offense was pretty vanilla. I thought we were just kind of rolling with it. You know, the RPOs, I think like we ran a lot of RPOs, a lot of squeeze sets, um, which probably helps that, with yeah. the run game and RPOs. A lot of that vanilla, and it was working, so there's no reason to uh, you know why to get away from it. But I like we got to finish I like some vanilla. of those drives. I like vanilla though. You wonder why I like vanilla? Because the more they just beat people's ass playing vanilla football, it's just gonna it's just gonna unload into the frenzy of things that teams don't see every day that the Andy Reid has all drawn up. So that's gonna be good. Back to what you said a second ago. This team has to be able, this. They could have scored seventy if they wanted to. They could have. They, they got finished drive. They did not convert one third down all football game. So I'll guess I'll, we'll give credit to Vic Fangio and the Broncos on that one. You said we were what, 0 for 8? Yeah, we were 0 for 8 on third down, and they were 5 for 14. So And we did what? We kicked three field goals in the red zone also, didn't we, from like within the 15? Correct. And you have to give credit to Denver's defense. They do have good players. They got A.J. Boye back. They got Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, which – Back there, they're arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL. Two very good players. Bradley, uh, Bradley Chubb up front. Right. So they it's do a, have good players on defense. You know, and I guarantee you in Vic Fangio's room, that was their point of emphasis after watching the Chiefs kill the Bills on third down is we have to get these guys off the field. Some That was pretty much literally Vic Fangio said, Fangio said, the only chance we have to win this game at all is to try to get these guys off the field on third right. down at some point. Hopefully that'll be something that we get to see improve upon. I'm not really concerned about it. It says we came out and played so vanilla. Let's take a look to this week, though, because we have Andy Reid in his press presser today. He said that the Jets are a very good, very well-coached team, and I thought that was kind of funny because Adam Gase has done nothing but prove he is a hilariously <laughs> incompetent head coach throughout his career. What was that? I have no idea what happened. All of a sudden, my Zoom just shut off. Okay, so a little bit of a technical difficulty there. We're back here now. Um, Yeah, we, we had to stop recording basically because Andy Reid said Adam Gase was a good coach, and Adam Gase has done nothing but 
prove comically that the only reason he's famous is because he coached Peyton Manning for one year and he probably just took notes for Manning in those offensive meetings when because he already knew what was going on. So yeah, I think yeah. we're gonna roll I think we roll the piss out of the Jets this week. Yeah, Caleb, I have a zero bullshit tolerance policy. And once you said that Andy Reid said that the Jets have a good football team, that was it for me. So I had to leave. I'm back now. I understand that Andy Reid is just probably doing his best Bill Belichick impersonation, giving the Jets credit. They're terrible. I don't expect very much from them. Sam Darnold, he's god-awful. Frank Gore's their running back. He's 40 years old. Their best receiver is Jamison Crowder. He would be the fifth-string receiver on the Chiefs. They don't have any tight ends. They have a solid rookie left tackle. He's a rookie. Frank Clark will abuse him. On defense, I don't know about all that. Makai Beckton's kind of a freak, dude. They uh, they were playing the 49ers, and he kind of gave old they gave uh, he gave old Bosa the business a couple of times. So no, I think maybe he's a good player. I just, just got rolling. Let's just let Tato handle him out there. We'll put Frank Clark on somebody else. <laughs> no, but they, now that you keep talking about it, who's their quarterback? Is is it Sam Darnold? Is he out? Is he hurt? Is it Joe Flacco? Is it Bobby Boucher? I don't know. Caleb, I don't think it matters. Joe Flacco, Sam Darnold. Same dude. They haven't I don't think they've scored over 17 points this season. Now oh, don't get me score. wrong. It's the they NFL, have, but I don't we think can't so. overlook people. It's the NFL. And then on defense, true. they have Truman State alumni Greg Williams, who's the only coach to ever get kicked out of the NFL for putting bounties on players. So <laughs> they're kind of a mess. Now, I will give Greg Williams credit. I do think he's one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL. Um, he's just got no personnel. We're talking about a franchise that had a uh, a generational talent, Jamal Adams, and they traded him. So uh, we're talking he's, about the he's same. got nothing to work with personnel wise. It's just the Jets are a mess. We're talking about the same team that tried to convince everyone that Le'Veon Bell has character issues, and then we find out Le'Veon Bell texted Clyde and be it to be before he even got to Kansas City just add to make sure he wasn't going to be intruding on anyone you know what exactly. you know what EB, you know what EB and Clyde and Andy said come on over let's do it <laughs> love to have you Kaleche Osibile yeah. the Jets tried to ruin his career with an injury and for before he blew both of his knees out he looked very good for the Chiefs so I mean judging people Ryan Tannehill Adam Gase quarterback looked terrible in Miami he is serviceable. He's a he's probably a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think over the last sixteen games, Ryan Tannehill has better stats than MVP Lamar Jackson does. Now, I'm yeah. not very big high, not very high on Lamar Jackson, and you know that. But Ryan Tannehill, over the last sixteen, seventeen games, playing at a high level. So yeah, Adam Gase, I'm sure he's fired after this year. I can't see him lasting another season. It's gonna be interesting to see who he fools after this. I don't know if that. I coached one. Se- I coached Peyton Manning for one season. Is going to work this time after all that? No, no, probably not. It's going to be. It's funny you brought up the Ravens. They traded for Yannick Ngakwe last week. From you know Caleb, Minnesota. and did you just see that the Seahawks? I know this is a Chiefs podcast, but did you see the Seahawks traded for uh, Carlos Dunlap? I did. It's like now teams- to me, it seems like everybody's trying to load up to beat the Chiefs. Well, Cody, I'd say that's what teams have been doing. I'd say that's what Baltimore's been doing since they brought in Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell in the offseason. 
And now they have Ngakwe, so it tells me that they're going to finally give up on all that blitzing and just try to rush us with four, which we'll see how that goes. That's why we went out and got Levy. I think the Chiefs getting Levy on Bell made a lot of people really nervous. Oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah. Now, now we have two running backs instead of one. Mm-hmm. I got to ask you about a football team. I want to get your opinion on a team real quick while we're talking about just kind of around the league stuff. Uh, what do you think about the Steelers? You know, I think the Steelers are, are a good football team. I think their defense is probably a top five defense in the NFL. Not uh, number one. problem – seeing a lot of people well, saying they're number one right now, Cody. They could be. I'm not ready to say number one. Give me three more weeks and I'll be able to tell you. My problem with the Steelers, though, is Big Ben. That's exactly you know, what I, I was going to say. He's playing well right now. Um but he's got to show it through 16 games, and that's something he's done a handful of times in his career. So especially not the last couple of years, he hasn't looked great, especially towards the end of the season. So I don't think old, they're the team to worry about in the AFC. I'm still more worried about the Ravens. He's an old fat guy playing quarterback is basically what yep. it comes down to. And he is no longer mobile. He cannot do a lot. Now, mind you, they got a good running game. James Connors is good. Their offensive line is good. Chase Claypool, good player. Uh, Juju, good football player. They're going to get him his targets through three interceptions versus the Titans. And I think the Titans have a very generic defense. You know, if Gutowski makes that kick, they go into overtime with all the momentum, and the Titans probably win that game. That is true. I'm still a little – I still get a little worried about Derrick Henry sometimes. He's still – I mean, even though we stopped him last year, he's still – there's just something about that guy that he could just – take over a game not like I don't think I've seen a running back do since maybe Jamal Charles was in the NFL. Yeah, he's a he's a freak. You know, I thought Ryan Clark brought up a good point. If you don't follow him, he's a former Steelers player. But he brought up that Derrick Henry, while he is probably one of the most physical specimens the NFL has ever seen, he doesn't like to run behind his pads in between the tackles. Um, so the big thing with the Titans is, and I bet you teams will start to, to tee off on this, and it's kind of what the Steelers did, is you just got to keep them in between the tackles. You can't let them get up to the second and third level. So I think while he is very, very good, I do think there is game plans that can neutralize him, and that puts the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. And all we I all know how that goes. Right. Yeah. We all know how that goes. Um, did, you have, did you happen to catch the Arizona versus Seattle game on Sunday night? I did. I did. I think the Cardinals might be a little bit legit, even though I think the Seahawks' defense is terrible. Yeah, the Seahawks' defense is terrible. Um, Jamal Adams isn't playing right now, so that hurts. Mm-hmm. The addition of Carlos Dunlap, and once they get Jamal Adams back, we'll have to see. Now, Russell Wilson did look like a shell of himself in the second half in a game where I felt like if he would have played as well as he did the first half, they'd probably win that game by 10 or more points. I think Russell fell out of the MVP being the top dog in the MVP conversation, so I think it's a lot more wide open for who the league MVP could be right now. I think he's yeah, leading. Oh, there's a guy. Where's 15 in red <laughs> for the Chiefs. You know, he just kind of goes out there, and his team quietly takes care of business every week. He comes out. Plays good. Patrick Mahomes. Russ is still up there. Maybe throw Kyler Murray in as a dark horse. Um, and probably Lamar. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, maybe. Tom Brady. Something like that. 
who's a non who's a non quarterback when you throw in? The, that's kind of the weird thing about the quarterback play this year. There's not really a guy that's like there's not really no one's really broken away yet. But I have a feeling our guy is about to break away here pretty soon. I think they're about to hit their stride here pretty soon. I feel like I feel like they can. Um, I think Russell Wilson's got 22 touchdowns, four interceptions through the season. Tom Brady's got 18 touchdowns and I think five interceptions. And then Mahomes got 16 touchdowns and one interception. I think Pat so, has more than that. I want to say he does. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's only thrown that one. He's been his efficiency has been off the charts this season. Is the one thing that I've kind of liked about watching his progression as a player this year is you look at it and he's not forcing things. He's not throwing the ball into bad windows. All he's doing is going out there and consistently making plays. And oh, he does have 16. So you're right. I'm an idiot. It's also only throwing touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. But here's the thing I'll say. yards. Here's the thing I'll say. We've seen up and down performances from all these quarterbacks in the NFL. That's true. So far this season, there's been one guy who I think has been steady the entire way through outside of maybe the Patriots game, in which I don't think he played a terrible game at all against that game. He's been, I think, the most consistent quarterback in the NFL up to this point in the season. Yeah. And, Caleb, I would agree with you. Looking, Kind of looking at his numbers, he's thrown over three touchdowns this season twice. Compared to two seasons ago when he threw for 50, he was throwing about three a game. Does that not so, show you just how much better the Chiefs are now than he had to make them then? Yeah. No, we're, we're a much better football team now. So, I think, you know, give him a couple, three, four touchdown games, and he's, he's probably at the top of the MVP conversation. All right. So who's an MVP do you think that is a non-quarterback right now? Who I think you probably – you still have to give it to Derrick Henry. I'd say that. I would say uh, Miles Garrett. He's looking like yeah. the DPOY right now. Um, I'd go ahead and throw Alvin Kamara in that mix. He leads the league in all-purpose yards. And yeah, I, I would – see that. Who else was I going to say? I forgot I had someone else on the top of my head. But, yeah, those are two guys. And, you know, a little dark horse, I would probably go with uh, – I keep forgetting who I'm thinking of. I'm an idiot, Cody. I can't think anymore. You know, there's a guy for the Chiefs. He wears number 25 who's second in all-purpose yards right second now. Second in all-purpose – Cody, I wanted to say him, but I'd sound like too big of a homer. But <laughs> when you're a rookie, well, Clyde's – forget all this Justin Herbert talk. He's Clyde definitely is, the offensive rookie of the year. If they give it to Justin Herbert, then it's a, it's a fraud. Yeah, that would just be quarterback bias. Now, Justin yeah. Herbert is playing phenomenal, but his team is what, one and five? Two and Yeah. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins has like 704 receiving yards seven games in. That's who I was thinking of. There's a possibility. But based on what we know about the NFL, I couldn't see him giving an MVP to a non-quarterback. It won't Not happen. Anymore. Those will just yeah. be guys up for Offensive Player of the Year. All right, Cody, before we get out of here, uh, who do you got? What's the score for this? What's the score for Chiefs-Jets this week? Oof. Has any team ever scored 100? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to say the Chiefs obviously run away with this one. I'm going to say we put up – we win 52-10. to 10. 
I think we go up like 28 to nothing with by the second quarter, and I think that they just kind of cruise in the second half. We get old Chad Henney, Daryl Williams, some reps, throw the ball around a little bit to Robinson and Pringle in the second half. I think it's going to be about 42 to 7. That's the score that I'm going to go with. You know, Caleb, this would be a good game to get Willie Gay, you know, 50-plus snaps. Get Willie Gay. That's Cody. That's something I was thinking of also. This would be a good game in general to get a lot of the guys who I think are going to be bubble guys on the roster next year and guys who they might be needing to decide if they need to go out and pick up another piece. This is going to be a big proving test for a lot of the young guys, and I'm specifically thinking of guys like Willie Gay and, uh, you know, some Tershawn Whartons because I think they're going to rep those yep. guys out a lot. And offensively, yep. Byron Pringle and D-Rob. Real quick, because I could see the Chiefs doing both. Um, we get up big. Do you think Le'Veon Bell takes most of the carries, or do you think we just kind of keep him because we know what he is? And we put I in Darryl just, Williams. I think they just keep getting Le'Veon ready for the run, for the stretch yeah. run, because there's something I've realized from being a Chiefs fan since they got good. There's the season, and then there's the playoffs. And, hey, yeah. you got to take care of the business during the season, but it is all about the playoffs. And, Cody, yeah. that brings us to this time of week. Uh, it's time for our Chiefs take of the week. Let's hear it. Let's, what's your Chiefs takeaway of this week? Oof, I don't know. Um, you go first. I got to think about it. I got to go first. Okay. The Jets. So, for my Chiefs take of the week, I don't know if it's much of a Chiefs take. I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball, much like I did last week. Not quite. I wasn't right last week with my Hitchens take, even though I thought he didn't play bad. I'm going to say four different Chiefs have a sack by halftime. I think that uh, Chris Jones gets a sack. Frank Clark gets a sack. And then I'm also going to say Willie Gay Jr. gets a sack off of a blitz. And I think that uh, I think we're going to see old Tershawn Wharton get back there for a sack also. This will all be before halftime. Oof. It's a hot take but against a, a very average Jets offensive line. Very bad impossible. Jets offensive line with a very special left tackle. Yeah, well, I was, I was giving Becton, you know, his credit in that he's a good player, so average offensive line. So for my Chiefs take, I don't even know if this is a Chiefs take because I feel like it ha could happen every week, but I'm going to say Mahomes has a big confidence booster game and he throws for over four touchdown passes. And I think four different Chiefs catch touchdown passes this week. I'm going to say Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I'm going to say Kaiser catches the touchdown late in the game, and Clyde has a receiving touchdown. I like it. I like it. I think this is going to be the week that we see Patrick start to run away with the MVP race a little bit. I would agree. I think this is – I think you know, we're getting ready to be into the – this is what, week eight, Cody? Week eight. Halfway Not a better point. week for Patrick Mahomes to start like we said, as the best like player we said, Like we said, most quarterbacks up and down, up and down. But there's been one guy slowly trending upwards. <laughs> All right, y'all. Cody, it's been a good one. Guys, this has been Chiefs Take. This is brought to you by Arrowhead Live. This is brought to you by Border Fuel Sports Media. Make sure to go follow all of those. Make sure to give my guy Cody a little follow on Twitter. He's always got some interesting stuff to say. You guys can catch me on Twitter, as always. Make sure you go follow Chiefs Take for more hilarity on game day. Might have some more hot takes I fire out. Who knows? All right, everybody. It's been a good one. Take it easy.